Welcome to SlayerFest98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And today I'm joined by YA author and Scooby. Adam Sass. Hi, Adam. Hi. I love when you co-host with me. Then it becomes a Bronx Beat podcast. <laughs> it's, it just feels um, right. Yeah. Uh, and so today we are joined by two absolutely fabulous guests. Um, first up, we have got uh, internet demon, Adam Musa. Adam Musa, that's me. Hello. <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, Brittany Ashley, who is Scooby writer, gal writing, and she's host of Angel on Top and Don't Tell the Babysitter Mom's Dead podcast. You did it. That's me. <laughs> uh yeah um adam since adam musa i also didn't uh think ahead with booking two people named adam on the same podcast uh so we're gonna try to use last names i guess um adam musa would you like to tell us your buffy origin since it's your first time being on the podcast uh buffy origin um i mean i i i watched the i remember watching like the, the final episodes of season seven uh, as they were airing. Um, as you can tell from my accent, I am not from the United States. Uh, and so when I was watching them, there was like a slight delay between like the US broadcast and whenever they would uh, come to Australia. And I don't think it was uh, in the final seasons, not too popular. And so the time slot used to get shifted around. So it's like, you know, 10, 11.30 at night, uh, broadcasting new episodes. So, oh my God, I'm dating myself so much by saying this now, but I used to like uh, record, I, I would record them on VHS and then watch uh, the next day because my mother would bust me if I tried to stay up that late watching a TV show about demons. Um, but I, I generally, um, because this was pre-Netflix, uh, bought every season on DVD, but the DVDs that I bought were sold in like half season parts and um, were like, could be as much as like 60 bucks a pop. So uh, I used to have to buy them sort of piecemeal and I watched the seasons out of order before I finally watched it all in order. So that's, that's my Buffy origin, I guess. Uh, but I've seen every episode and I've seen every episode multiple times. So <laughs> Oh, I said I bet it was pretty confusing for a while if it was all out of order. <laughs> there was there was that, and then you add in the extra part, like around season four, season five, of like getting Angel in there, and oh, everything yeah. was. Anyway, it all it all makes sense now, but uh, uh, once upon a time, I was like fully confused by certain aspects <laughs> of the show. The DVD sets <laughs> used to be so expensive; <laughs> they would they would be they would be up there in like the fifty sixty kind of ranges. There's like big. Isn't it isn't it crazy thinking about that? Like back then they were that expensive. It was such a luxury item, like a DVD. And now they're just like <laughs> in a bin in the middle of like a grocery store. Yeah. And like <laughs> streaming for, all for, for free. free. I mean, factoring, factoring in like, I, I, I think for a short amount of this time when I was looking for the, when I was buying them up, like I, I had like my first job, but you know, I didn't have a job then. This was like, I was a, I was a, a teenager uh so cobbling money together wherever i wherever i could like it's not like i was spending my hefty wages on right. these dvds <laughs> yeah i think i would get them like for christmas because i don't know if they like they release them as whole sets here but it would be like once a year they would release them so i would like get them for christmas i, I just think also like our our brains have changed as culture has changed like we have we like our brains used to be like okay with incompleteness like now it's yeah. just like i haven't seen every episode in order like what like so i think like i just remember having been like oh yeah i just saw four and a half seasons and yeah i've seen the show like, it, like it's, yeah it's way more unacceptable now like emotionally to just watch half like it's it's crazy to me that i didn't see the body for like years because i had missed it and I just like never saw it until like there was reruns on FX. And I remember being like, oh, I finally get to see that episode of Buffy's mom dies. I mean, big mistake. But <laughs> I was like, it's crazy to think like that episode of all of them, like I just missed completely. Right. And then there's so much of like, like, I mean, like I think Earshot because of the controversy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't see until like very recently. And yeah, today we're here to discuss a Buffy birthday episode, Older and Far Away, uh, which grammatically, Adam Sass, is that the grammar sound? That always like throws me off. I feel like the syntax is off in That's that. That's correct. 
isn't it? I always feel like it sounds like it sounds awkward or clunky. No, um, it's um, <laughs> yeah. These Buffy birthday episodes are um, they're like weirdly like Buffy's sort of just holiday themed. You know, like little Christmas party episodes. <laughs> like they're always great, um, and it's just it's such um, queer representation to have like the birthday party episode be like the biggest just hot mess express. <laughs> You're right, buddy. Like, <laughs> like she's like it's 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 so weird. It's so weird that this episode is all about um, attention and who has it and who does not have enough of it and sort of the deadly the <laughs> deadly ways people are willing to go to get it. God, that is, you're right. That is queer. <laughs> Welcome to Twitter. Um, yeah. So I, I like that they like very quickly are just like, oh, Buffy's telling Dawn she's patrolling. Dawn's isolated. More on that later. And Buffy defeats this demon, stabs him, and he goes in the sword. More on that later. Cut to credits. <laughs> like they kind of just zoom past because she. I never realized till this watch that she does say, oh, there's like this, like she's specifically looking for that demon, right? Like she like goes out looking for him. Right. And like, we don't, but we don't even get a name. No, it's just like, ah, damn. I mean, at this point we're in mid season six. I mean, at this point they're just kind of doing it. Doesn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they they definitely put a lot more um, like time and attention into creating Halfrack as like a very specific demon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this demon I think is peak Buffy people being like, what do we have left in the costume department? Just put it all together. Uh, it doesn't need to, it doesn't matter what it looks like. <laughs> They're operating on that, uh, UPN budget. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which to be fair, I understand just being like, Oh, I'm tired of doing these demons. Let me, here are these five things I grabbed. This is what the demon's gonna be. Well, I think <laughs> gonna have horns, a potato sack. Great. I mean, that's but such that's... a like, but that's such a big part of the Buffy aesthetic. Like, even you know, like even if they ever like kind of brought it back for a revival, they should still do these like flop outfits. <laughs> um, like even with like a blank check budget, they should just do these like because it really like it, it like in a way creatively emphasized that this is not a demon. This is a metaphor. Right. This this demon genuine legit doesn't matter, so don't concentrate on him. Right. right. So then they have Dawn go to the well, we get the magic box. Xander is telling Willow that Tara is gonna be invited. I think Willow and Tara do a both actors do the like, oh, we're broken up, it's awkward, but thing really nice, and I appreciate that we get Willow. Willow's never bitter, right? She's always like, Yeah, sure, invite my ex. I would love to get back with her, which again feels true to the gay experience right and because like throughout everything she knows that it's on her to change and that tara has been a great partner i think that that's always been the through line with them this is definitely the vibe of the partner who messed up yeah totally i don't know i feel like if they were gay men though willow might be shittier about it even though she messed up oh no she'd be much much worse (laughs) she certainly she wouldn't admit any sort of uh any sort of wrongdoing uh everything would be about her she'd be like i don't see why i have to change if this was two gay men it would just be two dawns (laughs) get out get out get out (laughs) (laughs) screaming it at each other and no one would show up for the birthday everyone would just be like you know i just so busy I'm just not gonna not gonna make it <laughs> sorry i'm just like really busy and going through it so <laughs> oh boy um <laughs> so yeah we get that and then dawn goes in there and she asks if anyone wants to you know go shop with birthday her. present yeah. shopping they don't i mean right so i don't know i always defend dawn because i do feel bad for her because like She's literally like, you know, she's asked every character within the first 10 minutes of the episode. Every character has been like, sorry, I can't hang out with you. Uh, and that's kind of how she's been treated most of the season. Um, so I do feel bad for right. her. Of course, yeah. like then halfway through, she gets uber shitty about it and I don't. But at this point, it's like, oh, I do. Like she's a young teenager. She doesn't have, she clearly doesn't have friends. Uh, and these are the folks she hangs out with. It's like her sister's friends. And not all of them are like, no, sorry, busy. Yeah, I mean, her like uh, her abandonment issues are on full display here because she's, what, like 16 and her mom died 
you know, la- like last year, her sister died as well and then came back and clearly does not want to be on planet Earth. And Dawn is taking that incredibly personally. Um, and so she kind of just feels like everyone is leaving, everyone around her is moving on, um, and nobody's really checking in on her and if she's okay. And so that's why when she does meet Halfrick as the guidance counselor, it's like, finally, someone wants to ask me how I'm doing. Yeah. And, you know, I feel, Adam, it's funny that you compared Dawn to gay men, because I was say, I feel like a lot of the, that's like a lot of like the queer experience almost online where it's like, oh, like, not all of us are in a big city where we like have other gay friends. Maybe I'm just relating this to me too much. Uh, (laughs) Not in like a big city. So you don't have other gay friends. So like, you know, sometimes someone will like DM you to talk and it's like, suddenly they're like, Oh, you know, last night. Oh, you're not in New York city. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And like expressing shock. So I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's like people like say the weirdest things to you, but it's because they're like, screaming to be heard and no one's hearing them so yeah it's very um this episode is like a lot to unpack for myself because like there i mean there's definitely like a part of this is like oh yes don is certainly weaponizing her um issues which is a very online thing to do um but then there's also like no i you know i've been there where i'm like i'm like hey oh my god this is the one time that i'm you know this is the one week i'm in uh, New York City and hey everybody and, da, da, da. and then like people kind of jump in and they go oh my god we're, you're here we need to hang out and then I'm like great what's the what's the plan and like, it's silence so um, <laughs> it's definitely like it sucks um, especially yeah. for someone who has like gone through the trauma she's gone through and somebody who is like I don't know if she's supposed to be 14 or 15 or something yeah she's... I think they don't ever land correctly on her age I think they say one thing this year and then the next year she's a freshman in high school even though she says explicitly she's in high school and creatively I think that's very much on purpose so that they could always so they could be like if we needed her to act 11 or 15 <laughs> we could do that at, from episode to episode oh, yeah it's, I did want to say like um watching this back again um as like watching it now and then watching it back when I was like 14 or something as well like I grew up with older bro- with an older brother and sisters and there came like a point when they all were like had all turned 18 and would all like say on a Saturday night like go out and suddenly I'd be left at home alone because I was like a child and it's like this episode resonated with me so much but I don't think I fully understood at the time and I'm like oh wow they really nailed it of just like me being stuck I mean t- typically I'd be stuck with my parents but in this case right. there is no right. parent there um, so in this instance, I, I guess empathize with Dawn when I, you know, didn't like that character a whole lot, a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always feel like there's a lot of, pro- like, sometimes it's like people project because like, I mean, you know, Tara says it later in the episode, like, well, we've all been there. Like we've all been like a, you know, teen with a lot of feelings and like you said, just like adding the trauma that Dawn has gone through. Like really, like I am always like, eh, let her scream. She's allowed to scream. Like she's been through a lot. <laughs> uh so then then we kind of like get right then it's like up the so the counselor brings her in did you guys do you remember because i remember not making the connection at all like i didn't i don't think i recognized her at the time that she was supposed to be that she was the same actress who played cecily and even oh this is the same actress who played the vengeance demon you know two episodes ago or three episodes ago no. I don't remember if I knew. No, I'm not time, very perceptive at all. Certainly, in my like rewatches, I remember. Be- yeah. But also because Joss reuses so many people, you can never tell if it's like intentional or not. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Right. I mean, that's another sort of like going back to what I was saying before about um, our just our brains process shows differently now. I think now we're like way like, you know, um, we're way more perceptive to like, oh, that's that person. I wonder if they're that person from before. Like, and I think just before then, it, we just used to be like, oh yeah, yeah, they're just using this vaguely similar actor maybe it's the same actor again and it doesn't like portend anything but now we're where we read so much into every single like choice down to like the casting that's true i don't a show probably couldn't do that without it always being like oh this is on purpose to show that it's the same character in a different form or whatever like a show probably wouldn't do that now i don't think probably i don't know but marvel marvel has done it a few times where they've had the same actor like is it who is it? Someone was in Civil War as like the mom, and then she also played the villain in Luke Cage. Uh, wasn't that Alfred? Yes, yes, that's her name. Yeah. Um, 
and like there's no reference to that but i mean but so, that's like, movies and tv and marvel like almost yeah. on purpose the, like marvel film almost on purpose is like tv literally doesn't exist in so, like <laughs> they are like they yeah they are i don't knowing her uh like we yeah we don't even own a tv what do you yeah they're about? like it's so great that we're using alfred <laughs> whatever for the first time <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Jones who uh yeah so then you know it's Alfred actor she's and I think that I think Callie Roca is a really good actor because she she plays like very quote-unquote like boring counselor where you don't there's no like she's not like she doesn't seem devious she just seems like very flat counselor but that's on purpose because Halfrek is so dynamic it's like to make her in disguise just dress as a human she had to be less dynamic so I think they did a good job with that then we kind of like get to the party immediately they're already planning it they're getting ready they're like getting the food out we learn anya and xander have invited a friend to the party for buffy tara comes in and i do really like that tara and buffy have a nice friend side where it's like oh she's like how are you doing because you know in the previous episode buffy had just like poured her heart out and cried while laying her head in tara's lap so they have like this outside bond outside of the group which is really nice to see i mean granted you know tara's not gonna last a lot many more episodes so we don't get much more of this This all part of the trick and trap of getting us thinking that she's (laughs) getting a stronger presence in the show they did a sneaky thing yeah it it was interesting the moment where buffy said like because obviously tara's the only person that knows that buffy and spike have been fucking and the moment yeah. where Buffy says she's not ready to and Tara completes her sentence and says, come out. It was really yeah. interesting that they were likening kind of, you know, because there is something obviously very queer about, you know, a non-mortal and a mortal uh, being with each other. But it, but it was definitely interesting how they kind of likened like a shitty. She's obviously been with Angel before. She's been with a vampire before, but they were kind of likening an embarrassing or shameful relationship to queerness. So and I was like, hey, that's not fair. <laughs> it was, it was, the, it's almost because it's like, because again, this just goes into the Buffy Spike thing being like a source of endless debate um, and point of view shifting. Um, but I think like when I watched it, I, I initially took it that way. And then like in, an, in another sort of like scan of it, like I was thinking more like, oh, like, oh yeah, this is like whether or not it's like a shitty thing, it's more like, um, this is a relationship that as soon as people know about it, they're going to have a whole lot of opinions and their own baggage that they're going to be putting on this. Totally. And like the, the being set up with Richard, like just a, just a guy who has absolutely nothing special about him was, it, it very much reminded me of like when I used to date straight women and their friends would try and get, set them up with like whatever boring straight guy was also in the room. And I'd be like <laughs> just getting tanked at, their birthday party and trying to get them to make out with me in the bathroom. I very much related to Spike. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then we get, which I mean, they're both great at this. Uh, Tara and Willow doing the like, Hey, good to see you. I have nothing to say, but good to see you. I like still have feelings for you, but also I have nothing to say. Like, the awkwardness was like played really well there it did and it almost like watching this again with this point of view like it almost made me think of like well had tara survived like they would not have dated like i'm not i don't know if i like 100 percent subscribe to the tara and willow are like one true pair sort of thing i think like this would have maybe naturally oh. ended again um anyway in the future they they had that vibe of just like oh this was they were both so important for each other like at a certain point in their lives but they're now like trying to figure out you know what that is going forward that hurt my feelings adam because i think you might be right um yeah (laughs) but no i think i just think i think it's more of like i just think like if there what if there had you know if there was like an alt you know if there was like an alt timeline where you know that kind of kept going i think i I think we did uh we talked a little bit about this when we did um uh the uh the podcast from weedon was that um you know the, the controversy surrounding like you know kennedy um and kennedy being like you know kind of another person who you know, actually probably was good for Willow in that time. Like, you know, may not have been like, she couldn't have replaced 
terror in our minds, but like there was like a part of Kennedy that was like very important for Willow at that time. And that was maybe something that was fostering a lot more confidence in Willow at a time when she really needed it. Brittany, what do you think of that hot take? Um, are we talking about, sorry, I'm, uh, are we talking about if Kennedy or if Tara's better for her? Um, honestly, I was thinking like, I was thinking like, uh, that Kennedy possibly was even better for her, like later on. Yeah. I mean, I think that Willow's growth, um, is obviously like a, I think she and Spike, I think probably grow the most in the series. And so I think that Tara served a major purpose for her. Um, but yeah, I think that Tara was kind of always beyond where Willow was able to reach in a way. And I think that loss definitely forces you to change in a way. And um, we see Willow's growth when she and Tara break up. But yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if they would have lasted forever. Um, But I think that although I loathed Kennedy's presence in the beginning, I think that um, Kennedy would have forced uh, Willow into a more powerful yet not damaging place within herself. Um, Yeah, I think that they both you know, I think they both brought out different things in Willow, but it is, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say because obviously Willow changed so much after she and Tara, yeah. you know, yeah. had to end. <laughs> it's all Fair. food for thought. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always say, I think Kennedy is like Riley, but slightly better. Like I like Kennedy better than Riley. Uh, but I think they both like served their purpose in the char- like the character they dated. They like were part of that character's growth. But I like, yeah, I think Kennedy added to like giving Willow more confidence. Yeah, uh, and and Kennedy also didn't in the in the major difference I think between Riley and Kennedy is like Riley needed things from Buffy that she was absolutely incapable of giving, and he resented her yeah. so much for that. Whereas Kennedy didn't really like need anything from Willow that Willow wasn't giving her if that makes sense like she kind of already accepted who willow was and was like all right like i'll i'll be here but she didn't like pressure willow to be someone that she was incapable of being yeah that's yeah i'd agree with that so back to season six um where god where the oh so spike gets there they're in the kitchen spike arrives with clem um i love that they brought Clem back because they 100% didn't need to, but I I mean, he, I feel like his first appearance, he kind of didn't do anything. He was just like there at the kitten poker. Uh, but in this episode, he's just like, you know, this like chill demon who's like, hey guys, I'm here to eat some snacks. Like, So one of the things I always say that Angel did better than Buffy was that Angel had a lot of, they kind of got rid of the black and white dichotomy. Like everything was like, you're a, you have a soul or you're a demon. And it's evil or good. There's no, it's like there's no gray area. And Angel always had the gray area. I think Clem was one of the first demons we got in Buffy that was like showed there was a huge like gray area because Clem, right? We don't even really know. We don't know that Clem even ever needs to like harm humans. He's just kind of like chill and nice. And, you know, he babysits Dawn at the end of the season. So like clearly he is trustworthy. He's nice. You know, in season seven, he when he's leaving town, he's like, oh, you should leave too, Buffy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that Clem was a good... They were able to show a gray area, and I I like that. I don't like when things are, like, completely black and white. Right. Yeah. But he eats cats. <laughs> he does. <laughs> so I don't know. We've all got our things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and humans and humans eat every other animal. I'm, I'm very, like, uh, as a... <laughs> As a moral gray area, there, I'm like, there's a there's a lot to unpack here if we if we compare him to everybody else in the, in the show. <laughs> uh, but I like that you know Spike brought a friend, and then of course immediately Ani and Xander are like, this man is here, and they like push him onto Buffy. Yeah, this like Sean Cody model. <laughs> People keep forcing these gay guys onto Buffy. <laughs> so relatable. <laughs> this this man looks like he should like 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 a disembodied hand should be offering him like a fistful of european <laughs> currency to like 
take his pants off. Just don't cry. It's, just think of the money. God. Think about the money. If I give you a thousand more, what will you do? I don't even think you need to give that guy a thousand. I think you could have just handed uh, him a pretty basic standard amount. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so then Buffy gets like her birthday presents. We Dawn gives her a jacket, and I feel like Buffy does. Uh, you're just gonna blow through the past that Willow got her a vibrator. You're just gonna blow through. Yes. That. <laughs> we need. When I was watching on. it, I was like, "Are they gonna make a joke about it?" And they don't. It's they weird that they do. I mean. <laughs> She makes eye contact with Spike. Like, Buffy makes eye contact right. with Spike, and it's obviously a sexual thing. But that's. A- I mean, is this regulation size? This thing is enormous, and she pitches it being like, you can take it with you on patrol. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, where's Buffy put it? Like, I don't think her leather jacket would fit a whatever the fuck that is. Although I did think that probably would be nice on a back because <laughs> it's so big. I don't know. Yeah, I that was like a choice that I feel like had to have been on purpose that Willow gives it to Buffy. I don't know. <laughs> but yes, thank you for making sure that we address that. Uh, then Buffy then Buffy gets her jacket from Dawn. And I think Buffy kind of immediately is like, wait a minute, how the hell did she afford this, right? Because she sees a security tag. And I feel like she's about to question it. But then Xander and Anya are like, here's our present, which is better. And uh, yeah. I love this klepto story for Dawn. It's so... <laughs> silly like it's so great and it just it started around the musical episode and just i could just how seriously they wanted to take this and it's just so like oh she takes things for attention like it's just so great it's just it's so small potatoes in a season that is getting darker and darker with each passing episode (laughs) (laughs) you're right it's like people are dying like we're all depressed we can't pay our bills but we're gonna be really mad right like they're gonna do this like brady bunch special episode in the middle of like (laughs) like the the episode before like literally that like like warren killed his girlfriend yeah it's getting (laughs) very dark in here and like in the next then like in the next couple it's just gonna be like uh you know darker and darker (laughs) and darker and they're just like stealing (laughs) <laughs> like let's halt everything let's for stealing <laughs> come inside dawn's room and look at what she has stolen <laughs> all the tags on all these things as well for some reason every time i watch it back i'm like why would you steal necklaces and stuff and and not remove these like paper tags from them yeah like, the least they could have done was like do like the ink tag like bolt thing <laughs> i guess the whole point is like she <laughs> she wants to be caught she wants people to see that she's stealing She's like stealing to, and I'm putting up air quotes. She's stealing to feel something. I don't know. It's it's what she can control yeah. in her life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so gets the weapons chest. Her friend from Double Meat Palace shows up, which I really wish had been the little old lady that she was working with. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that old lady did nothing but blank stare. So like, sure, have her in the house when there's a demon haunting everyone. Uh yeah, so it's just like this weird teenager who, when she first walked in, I was like, wait, how old is this girl? And then I was like, oh, wait, they're all like 19 or 20. So this girl could be like 17 or 18. And that would make sense, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Like, she, she's not actually that much younger. Like, they're all feel very adult, but that's because the adults are all gone. But they give her like the personality of a toddler. She's like, sorry, <laughs> yeah. I can't have anything without calling my mother yeah it's very infantile yeah like seasons five to seven is is just completely dog-eared with moment after moment of like what age is everyone yeah (laughs) which is weird because in seasons one through three they did a really good job of being like oh these are teenagers well once you're in this like very like yeah i mean when you're in this like very rigid high school setting you're like oh everything in season one feels very sophomore that like and everything in season three feels so see like season three feels like senior year it just feels like it yeah yeah but well this woman walks in yeah she says you know my mom says i have to say thank you because i forget um that character doesn't it's weird that there's like her and the guy in the red shirt really don't do anything in the episode at least the guy in the red shirt like is there to make spike jealous and get stabbed uh (laughs) 
yeah, this character, I wonder if they were like, maybe, you know, kind of something they did with Clem, where it's like, oh, let's throw him in this episode, and if we like him, we'll use him again. And then they just didn't like her yeah. again. I'm surprised that they didn't use someone to, like, wedge between Tara and Willow and have it, like, not work. I'm surprised that there wasn't something, obviously, other than the not wanting to do magic bit. I was curious. It was surprising that they didn't throw someone else in the mix who was like into Willow or into Tara. Yeah, That's... that would have been cool. Now, now that you mentioned that, I'm like, this girl should have been into one of them and it caused like a weirdness. <laughs> but... Yeah, she had bi face. I could see it. <laughs> bi face. <laughs> uh, Want that to be a so new that... game show. Bi face. <laughs> yeah, bi face. <laughs> it's just a picture of someone. Are they bi or not? <laughs> uh, then we learn that Halfrek is, uh, well, then we learn the school counselor is Halfrek because she's on the door. And she says, wish granted, which goes back to Dawn wishing everyone couldn't leave from like, you know, 15 minutes ago or 10 minutes ago. Uh, then, oh, then we get the scene of Spike trying to get Buffy to like, go fuck upstairs or in the bathroom. And I love that we get to see Tara. The Tara in this episode is really good. I love seeing Tara. She's protective of both Buffy and Willow in this episode. And she gets to like, I don't know, be the one that's like, excuse me. She's a caretaker. She's great. Like, yeah. she's taking yeah. care of everybody. And I just think it's really cute. Because, you know, she's not, like, being mean to Spike, but she's like, Spike, get a grip. Like, and she's like, oh, a muscle cramp in your pants? She's very mom. Me. She knows She knows what volume to use at which person at which time. <laughs> Is that you, Adam? That's I feel me. like you Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I can tell you, okay, this person needs to be listened to right now, and this person needs like a little goading to zip it and move on. I feel like I am both of those when we talk. <laughs> yes. Within one phone call, we'll, we'll go from yes. like, I, I hear you, I hear you, but enough. <laughs> but also get a grip. Yeah, then we're. And then what happens? Do they? And that's so they're playing games. We realize that they're trapped. Well, not not yet, right? No, I mean it, it tends because it, it comes on very gradually. Because like then it's just like suddenly like the morning and they've been there all night, right? And we see uh, Anya has the good line of like, "Oh, don't stop playing yet. I want to bankrupt somebody." Um, and Spike is Spike and Clem and Tara and Xander are playing poker, and I really like Tara again being like. Oh, how's that muscle cramp? Maybe put some ice on it. Like telling him like, meh, you're good. They all realize the trap. They realize they can't leave the house. Because they all say, we all have places we'd rather be. It's so on the nose. That's not what a person would say. It's so pointed and ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and they just keep saying it. I know. I wish they had just been like, like, really, it's okay if someone's like, oh, I, I have to be at work. Like, that makes sense. And if Dawn interpret it as they don't want to be near me, that would make sense, too. They don't need to specifically say, we have better places to be. Well, that's, like, the funny thing about um, just, like, unresolved trauma is that someone can say something perfectly reasonable, like, right. I have to be at work. And you can internalize it as, you would rather be at work than be with me because I make everyone miserable. Right. Like, that's just, like, how it goes through like the crazy straw into your brain is that you know you'll hear everything and take everything so personally which is obviously what we see with dawn but right like that yeah that would have made sense for her to do that without them explicitly saying it right yeah but they like actually said we all have places we'd rather be <laughs> i mean that's a, <laughs> so she's not like a brat at all she's literally just advocating for herself <laughs> which which there you go but um, no, I think that, I mean, that is the thing. I mean, we, when you're like kind of, there is a moment and, um, you know, it's it's both reasonable and unacceptable when you're, you know, in this mode, when you are like ready and almost looking for any window of opportunity to like really make yourself heard in this very, very like, you're ignoring me way. Um, and mm -hmm. when you're kind of in your lowest point and in these kind of like dark moments, that is very, very, very seductive to that you'd be able to, um, f like have something to like suddenly wave in their face and be like this, this is like confirming all of my worst anxieties about you. Yeah. And then she gets that because they like literally say that to her. <laughs> and then they, 
I like that they really make a leap here and like, well, it's probably Dawn's fault and they're right. (laughs) (laughs) Like so quickly all are like, oh, Dawn, what'd you do? Oh, you did something? Just tell us you did something. And Dawn like throws a fit, but they're all right because she did. Well, it's wild because everybody assumes Dawn called the musical demon and then it was Xander. And like, I would be, if if it was me, I'd be like, well, yeah, maybe we're all blaming Dawn, but then it's probably Xander, you know, overcompensating that he's accusing her. Um, (laughs) Yeah, if I were Dawn, I would have absolutely been like, um, excuse me, who called the demon that made the people explode into flames from dancing too much? (laughs) (laughs) But you were really just like covering up that you actually had called him down this time. (laughs) Especially if I was covering up, I would do that. (laughs) Great. Love how guilt works. So good. (laughs) So they blame Dawn. Dawn runs upstairs to her room, and we're going to do a little uh, reading of this scene. I will be playing Buffy. Adam Sass will be playing Xander. No, Adam Sass will be doing Willow and Tara. Adam Musa will be Xander, and Brittany Ashley will be our Dawn. Amazing. (laughs) I hope someone in my house comes into the room and is like, is everything okay? (laughs) (laughs) My dogs are you, very confused right now. I knew, <laughs> Brittany, I knew you would actually go for the get out, get out. So, yeah. Not to spoil it for everyone. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Dawn. What? Did you do something? Me? Do you know something? Because we, we want you to feel like you can tell us. What would I know? Look, we're not accusing you of anything. It's just you were kind of taking it personal down there. Oh, okay. So you've all just decided that somehow I'm responsible. Great. Here's me basking in the love. No, it's just, you know, you're upset because we all want to leave. And now we can't leave. Only one thing missing is a cornfield. There, there isn't a cornfield here, is there? Donnie, it's okay. You know we're not going to be mad. Yeah, only I didn't do anything. You sure? You want me to ask my other self? Don, we're just trying to figure out what's going on here. Figure it out yourself. I'm done being talked to like a kid. Well, because, you know, sometimes we do sometimes something that seems like a good idea at the time, like, say, invoke the power of a musical amulet. And it turns out, you know, not so much. God, I didn't do anything. I wish I had. I'm glad you're trapped. How else can I get anyone to spend any time with me? Dawn, if you want us to spend time with you... I don't! Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! (laughs) Okay, I'm Adam with the American accent. I've, like, fallen and I can't get up. It's so great. (laughs) (laughs) Ian's Ian's used to this. I do this all the time. I fell down. I was like, like, I wasn't prepared. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brittany, I knew you were cathartic. (laughs) I should do that, like, once a day. (laughs) Then I wouldn't have road rage. (laughs) Uh, so that is the second time in the series Dawn yells get out to people in her bedroom. Um, and last time was also Buffy's birthday, wasn't it? Yeah, because it was after she cut herself in season five. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so another new birthday, Buffy birthday tradition, Dawn yelling get out. Listen, if I was Buffy and Dawn kept ruining birthdays like this for me, I would be like, <laughs> absolutely. I'd be like, I don't even care if like this is deserved or not deserved. I literally don't care. You sit on this and bring this up tomorrow. <laughs> Can I like sidebar this and say, like, as I mentioned, like this is an iconic Buffy moment. Um, and I have like previously attempted to turn this into like, a meme i guess um, and in my instance i tried to do it but then realized i didn't have the audio editing skills to like make it actually work but i was trying to mash up her like yelling get out and with like the final moment of get out segging into kesha's high, <laughs> high note in uh praying <laughs> and i still think there's time if that's a free idea of somebody who's more talented than me wants to make that but i still think there's time to make like dawn screaming get out like the next viral twitter video or like JoJo's Get Out, Leave oh Right Now. Oh, God, I yes. think that could be another uh-huh. good one. All right, we're, Get Out! We're, right we're, we're brainstorming here. I'll work on something this week for content for Slayer. <laughs> There's so many times that I'm just like, God, if I was really good at audio editing, uh, make y'all pay. Like, I'm just, <laughs> every time I'm like, 
I guess I'll just throw that idea away. (laughs) (laughs) I love like most of like the dumbass videos that make for Slayer Fest. It's like, oh, I took an Ambien. I maybe uh, smoked something and I'm going to make a really dumbass video for the tweet from my podcast. Speaking of drugs, yes. um, the, you know, obviously Willow, uh, Willow's addiction to magic is an allegory for doing drugs, but the, the, ep- but this episode, it kind of like breaks that rule in a way because, she, you know, so she, so Willow kept around some supplies just in case there was ever a jam where she would have to use them. But if you look at that with drugs, there'd never be a situation where right. it's like, yeah, I kept some MDMA around, you know, just in case I was in a situation where we really needed MDMA <laughs> to save ourselves. Well, and Adam Sass has talked about this before, and I, I have too. That's why the metaphor doesn't quite work because, yeah. right, you it can't do these allegories. It's it's such a recipe for disaster, especially when you're doing it to something serious like drugs or some sort of illness like you're just like asking for a moment where it so if you do it once if you align one thing you have to align everything and then you get into these weird moments where it's like oh that actually that that would have been very inappropriate because like no there's not a moment when yeah like you said Brittany, there's not a moment when the mdma would have like saved someone's life but willow keeping the magic around does make like it doesn't make sense for the metaphor and for the story they're trying to tell but it makes sense in the world of buffy because right like oh and then in this case it could i mean granted it ended up not but it could have helped them so it wasn't crazy that she kept some because it could have saved their lives like and everyone gets so mad at her and it's just i don't know i get like they're getting mad at her because we're sticking to the metaphor right they're not they're not trying to make it more nuanced of like oh well i get why she would have saved they're just like nope we gotta stick with the drugs it's gotta they gotta be mad but like then Tara does use them to help. I mean, they didn't fail, but like could have helped. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's one of the places where that metaphor does not work so well, I don't think. Yeah, so then they do, you know, the Tara's mad at her. Everyone's mad at her. Uh, yeah, also because we're supposed to, I know we're supposed to think that Xander and Ani are kind of the jerks here. But right. Eh. But anyway, Tara does a spell. She does a release spell. Spike and everyone are waiting at the door. Potato sack demon comes out of the sword. Everyone runs except for a red shirt dude who's like, what? And he gets his chest or stomach cut by this giant ass sword, which I feel like he probably would have died in that house. Uh, <laughs> Being literally a red shirt. Like, I yeah. love it. Like, it was like, <laughs> as soon as he walks in, I'm just like, oh, still be brought in the guy to get killed. Like, that totally was a Star Trek on purpose reference, right? <laughs> the red shirt and everything is great. Uh, I also feel like it's almost like uh, Wiley Coyote, where it's like, oh, he didn't catch the Roadrunner that time, but I think if he had done that same thing again, it probably would have worked the second time. And I just feel like if Tara had done the release spell one more time, it probably would have worked the second time, right? Mm-hmm. right? It's just like, oh, the sword got in the way, but now the sword, now that monster's free, so let's do the release again, and we can get the fuck out of this house, and Buffy and Spike can kill the horned devil with a potato sack. Um, and so what, Spike can go outside in the daylight? Like, <laughs> every single time, like, I'm just like, there is so much natural light in this house, and yeah. it's fine. It's, it's just fine. <laughs> And as a person who does an Angel podcast, the amount of natural light that Angel oh walks in and out of is just absolutely <laughs> insane. Like his office in season one is so well lit. And so is Cordelia's house. It's That's crazy. true. There's those giant windows <laughs> in the office. Yeah. And they only sometimes yeah. address it, right? Yeah, totally. No, it's it's just purely like, listen, everyone here is getting richer and more successful and has more juice. So they are requiring more and more daytime shoots. <laughs> Mm-hmm. like that's totally. what it is. <laughs> you're right adam like no we're not doing the 1 a.m to 5 a.m shoots anymore we gotta right back. like season one is purely like uh david boreanis you're very recently a former dog walker <laughs> you're gonna shoot it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and season one also yeah that's i don't think season one has like a bright scene in the entire season there's like a few yeah but like they're always like the establishing like school stuff during the day right. and like every single like climactic moment happens. <laughs> um 
So Buffy and Spike fight the demon. We learn the demon can... I think I always thought before watching this that it was like, oh, his sword, he's like part of his sword, but really it's like he can just go into things, I guess, because he goes into the floor um, and then is like in the walls. Uh, I think that scene of Tara kind of tending to red shirt dude while the whole house is creaking is actually like, if the if like like you said they didn't care about the demon they weren't trying to do anything with him but if they had made him a gentleman like scary creepy monster i think it could have worked mm-hmm. in being a creepier atmosphere that like ugh, this like creepy demon who's like in the walls and making the house creak could like pop out and eat them but realistically he just was like you know a big guy with a sword who could who needed to punch i don't know yeah honestly he should have been slender man he should have just like shown up like briefly in shadows yeah. and like freaked and run the fuck out because i think that yeah because like i said i like that scene dawn and buffy finally start to have a heartfelt one-on-one you know dawn's telling her all of her feelings buffy's being receptive while anya's having a complete meltdown all around the house uh she's freaking out about it being hot blah 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 they go downstairs she has that moment where she's like willow you have to try and so I wanted y'all's opinion because I still feel like I said I know we're supposed to think Ander and Z- Ander and Zanya, Xander and Zanya <laughs> are the assholes here, and like I do get it because we have the metaphor. But in the world of Sunnydale, it's like okay, but like they're all gonna die in this house. Like, shouldn't we try something? I don't know, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that they got through so many seasons without willow having to use magic that i think that there's always going to be that option that they shouldn't have to go the easy route of willow doing magic to get out of jams and so i think that there's always that piece that's going to remain true um but yeah i mean i think it was just obviously like a really great moment for it i think it was uncharacteristic of anya and xander to go against willow in in her growth but i think it was obviously just put there so that Tara could stick up for Willow and show that she's really appreciating how much growth Willow's done. And obviously it leads to their, you know, um, re-emerging once more as a couple. But yeah, I mean, I think it was just unnatural and I think it just was there to serve a purpose of bringing Tara and Willow closer together. Adams? I, I honestly could <laughs> I'm have, inclined to agree. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't have said it better. And honestly, like it is there really to be part of the ongoing manipulative charade to get us to think that Tara was going to be taking a larger and larger role in the series, which I am furious about. Yeah. But then Anya finds something that really makes her fucking angry. <laughs> and so then the pressure is off of <laughs> the Willow. Theft. Oh my God. The, the stealing reemerges as a problem. Yeah. Cause it's like the most hurtful thing you could do to Anya I- is like, fuck with her money oh my god i love it i love the emergence of that word i also like don't don't buy that like if if in fact uh <clears throat> all of these objects had been stolen from the magic box like she wouldn't have caught on to it sooner like oh surprise you've all this stock has gone missing no she's obsessed with her stock. Oh, she would, yeah. she would know she these things she would have had if, if there was a penny out of place she would know also like why the magic box stocked an awful lot of jewelry for uh, it's the magic store. <laughs> they were catering mostly to um, crystal loving gays. They were really, they were really into the power of crystals. Yeah, I'm thinking about Marianne Williamson now. Exactly. Like, uh, sorry to turn this into a political podcast where she's like, "I don't own crystals. I've never talked about crystals. I've never seen crystals. Everyone talks about crystals." <laughs> While she's wearing a giant amethyst pendant. <laughs> I, I love that like the, the this leads to this big realization that oh she stole she stole the coat um like it's such a massive jump for them to make to be like well now this 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 puts everything into into perspective it's like where did she get the money in the first place she's she's 14 thing, like- and and buffy works at, at the the like double beat palace so she's got all of these amulets. I mean, like, are they amulets? Are they just regular jewelry? Or is right. Dawn hoarding a bunch of necklaces that contain, like, a hundred different demonic <laughs> souls and they're all jumbled <laughs> in together? This would be a really good spinoff for them if they were just, like, it, it, you know, like, kind of like how Cupid was like, oh, we're just going to do, like, a hundred episodes. It's going to be a hundred different souls. You got to do the thing. We just do that 
but with the jewelry she's all got clumped together <laughs> inside this drawer. I would watch that. Um, yeah, so then Buffy, when they had their heart-to-heart, realized very quickly that, oh, Dawn probably made a wish to a vengeance demon. She tells everyone that Anya knows it's Halfrecht. She calls in Halfrecht. Halfrecht shows up, gets stabbed. They fight the demon. Um, they destroy the sword where the demon gets stuck in. Halfrecht wakes back up. And I think, so we get Halfrecht being like, William? And Spike recognizes her, but he's like not positive. Um, and I do really like that. I also think Kelly Roca is doing a lot of good work here in such like a tiny scene. She gives this like dramatic monologue of like, well, all you have is time. Have fun together. And then but she also like reads every one of them yeah. to hell because she's like, it was so obvious how, how in pain this girl was and none of you noticed, which I just think is like the biggest fuck you to all of them. If I were one of them, I would have been like, oh my God. <laughs> it's so obvious and I'm such a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I do like I it, it is obviously like super insulting that the only person to really pick up on Dawn's misery is a demon, but I think like one of the most brilliant aspects of the show is just how stakes how high stakes every like normal feeling that someone has to experience becomes because of Buffy's responsibilities like even if you take for instance Dawn wanting, you know, having a freak out like this and wanting everyone to stay in the house with her forever, that can't happen because of the fact that Buffy needs to be outside of this house to protect other people. And then similarly, you know, Buffy couldn't really grieve grieve her mother because she had to defeat Glory. Like in this world that Buffy and Willow and Xander and Anya and Tara all live in, you can't really experience trauma or hurt or loss because then you're putting other people's lives at stake. And Dawn hasn't yet really understood that, that she kind of has to like push down these things, which is super unhealthy, but it's not a part of the mission, you know? And Dawn is the person who's clearly showing that that is not a healthy way to live your life. Like you, you will be hurt. And you'll want to make these really irrational choices. But I think the five of them know that you can't. I mean, that's, good. that's such a good point because that, I mean, that really is the part we're at in the show where there's um, the stakes are getting higher. The losses have been greater. The traumas have been greater. The, the mileage on all of them is, is a lot. Um, and then you come in, that's what a new character like Dawn does. Um, is they're able to kind of come in and feel all the things that in season two, all of them would have been feeling, Mm -hmm. but um, she's the one who's actually saying, Oh, Hey, you know, hello. Like there's, you know, all of you are currently, you know, feeling this and skating over this. And I mean, it is kind of a, it is like a good moral question where it's like, what is the right thing to do? Is it, you know, you know, move past it because there are just, there are larger concerns. I mean, is that, more adult is that the right thing and then there's a real tension between childhood and adulthood there mm-hmm, totally yeah. but i love how Frecht being like she gives this dramatic speech she drags them all and is like i'm out of here and then it doesn't work and, and <laughs> I love that she, it's a great gag she like stops herself and she kind of repeats the last like two words she said she's like yeah time and yeah that's all you have okay and then she tries to do it again and anya knows she's like it's the spell it's not gonna work and Halfrick immediately, annoyedly being like, all right, fine, you're all free, great, the spell's broken, are we happy? <laughs> it's a yeah. great climax. Because, right, we were bordering on, I think season six needed a little more of this, where it's like, we're bordering on, like, super dramatic, and then, oh, you know, she makes a joke about it. Right. No, yeah. totally. Yeah, so then they all get out of the house, right? Before, hang on, before they do get out of the house, though, because you, you mentioned it for a second where she's like, William, um, and like that Cecily callback happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's like, uh, the Cecily callback happens, but it's like, uh, the timeline wise, when you zoom out for the whole show, that doesn't work because like they were present at the Russian Revolution, I think. Like there's a whole scene <laughs> I think, in, in season seven or something. And right. I, you know, I'm loath to like harp on on continuity errors and stuff. I just like it in this instance because it's like, okay, they didn't have to connect her to Spike, but uh they did. Um <laughs> Because good. because they because they could and then uh, a wizard did it. Uh, <laughs> some some enterprising fan is like, oh, actually, that's not 
quite not quite correct. Are you the enterprising fan here? <laughs> I, I don't care enough to be like that angry, but you know that there was like someone at some con that was like, uh, actually, if you look at, at you know the date, uh, the you know when when Spike was killed versus like when this Russian revolution happened, yeah. it it couldn't have happened. How do you explain that? Well, uh, I, think- I don't know. Who wrote this episode? In the credits, it does say, like, I looked up, like, facts. I was like, did they ever confirm that? And it's supposed to be that, like, Cecily was one of her vengeance demon, like, alter egos. Oh. Like, she was there to, like, wreak vengeance on whatever other, like, shitty men were there, not Spike. And I guess he, like, you know, whatever. But yeah, so I I think it's a cute note that when they're leaving the house, Clem is like, hey, great party. Like, Clem had a good time. He wasn't hurt. He's fine. um but yeah so now that we're at the end of the episode Brittany, would you like to tell us your favorite outfit give us your favorite outfit and favorite scene cool so my favorite outfit was obviously uh when dawn comes back from the mall and it's her klepto outfit where she hid the leather jacket (laughs) under her other jacket um it's brilliant and then i think my favorite scene is when Clem and Spike arrive and uh, Tara is trying to like neg Spike and is like, I thought Richard was cute. And Clem is like, yeah, I thought he was cute. (laughs) Uh, Adam Musa, what's your favorite outfit and favorite scene? Uh, They are, they're both in the same uh, scene. This uh, sleeveless turtleneck that guidance counselor Halfrek (laughs) is, is, exquisite and just that whole scene i really think um uh what's her name carly i think she like knocks it out of the park so well in this like beautifully probing way um i I love her i would like to see more of her honestly adam sass um favorite outfit is anya's like god it's just so great in early 2000s charmed she's got this like black taint strappy thing on and then this ultra sheer like fucking like uh window curtain sort of like fabric uh white top on it's just really great it just takes me back like it's just really 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 awesome um and then i don't know yeah favorite scene i think it's just i think it's the nice gag with hal freck at the end i I love a good um anti-climax uh yeah my favorite my favorite outfit is buffy with her like frilly strapless top like the black top and then the leather leathery choker which in dead things i did with to record it she's wearing the same kind of leathery choker and i said now i want one and i did go out and get like three different ones at a craft store um and i've been wearing them my favorite scene is also how frick i love her teleporting out and not being able to and then just being annoyed and me like fine the curse is broken everyone shut up um so now we're in grade the episode Brittany. what grade do you give the episode um, so if, the, if becoming part one is an A plus, this is probably like a B minus C plus. Okay. All right. Uh, Adam Sass. I give it a B plus. Um, I think I love a good locked room sort of, it's not a mystery, but I mean like a good like sort of locked room. Everybody's in one location. I love it. Um, so this definitely is like on my wavelength. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely something like, you know, I would have, um, I think maybe like a like if the I think if they had done like a sort of a scarier uh, demon and not this like sort of porn sorty thing, maybe that would have been a little more um, just, just the like stakes would have been higher. But um, happy plus, um, Adam Musa. Uh, I'm going to hand this I don't know, a B minus. I mean, I, I very strongly agree with everybody else thus far on this i feel like the the kind of failed horror of the of the demon just being like kind of a a bust uh really really does bring it down but but i also think there's there's not that much for 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 being a bottle episode and for the for being all these characters like trapped in a house there's not really a whole lot of uh stimulating uh conversations that are happening it's mostly just like giddy people playing board games and then sitting around passing the time like there's 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 not a lot for me to like chew on in that sense yeah it could have gone a little further in that sort of like long day's journey into night um thing where there was where the i think you know had, had there been like um the uh sort of the 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 a female character added with the the tension between willow and tara had like this really become like a real 
like trapped in a vault, you know, like we're all going to kill each other soon. If even if there was no demon, we're all going to kill each other at some point. Uh, sort of vibe. Okay, I'm going to give it a B as well. Um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you liked Slayerfest '98, you can find us on all social media platforms at Slayerfest X '98, and if you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and other places. And if you like us, feel free to subscribe to our Patreon, where you can listen to our mini-episodes for just $5 a month. And if you want to follow me on social, I am at Carlos on all platforms. Brittany, where can everyone find you? At Britt27Ash on Twitter and Instagram, or you could follow Angel on Topcast. Yes, and Adam Sass, where can everyone find you? You can find me on uh, Twitter at the Adam Sass and look me up on Goodreads. Look at my book, Surrender Your Sons, which is coming out September 2020, but you can add it there. Yay. Adam Musa, where can everyone find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter more than is healthy <laughs> at Adam J. Musa. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.